0: listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. So if you've got your Bibles, Ephesians chapter number four. We're making a turn this morning. If you're visiting with us, I don't see anybody that I don't recognize already, but we're glad you're here. You got to make yourself at home. If you're watching online, I hope that we've got the feed fixed. So we got a few folks that, that were having some buffering issues and I tried to fix it on my end. So we'll uh, see how it goes in the comments that, uh, that get, uh, that get left for us and we'll try to keep Uh, honing that thing in as best we can. So Paul is about to make a shift. He's about to make a turn in what he's teaching. So this letter that he's writing from Roman incarceration in house arrest, he has been spending the first, well, what we call chapters. He wasn't writing chapters and verses. He was just writing. He was just just telling them what God was laying on his heart. We know through the doctrine of inspiration that it's not only what Uh, God wanted the Ephesian believers to hear, but it's also what He wanted all followers of Jesus to hear as they, as they represent Christ, uh, as we wait on His return. And so as Paul's just writing, but these, these first few chapters, first three that we have in our Bible, He's spending, uh, laying out doctrinal instructions. And he does this in almost every one of the letters that he writes. He'll he'll talk about the doctrinal issues, these truth points that he really wants to nail down. That he wants to he wants to anchor his whole uh, his whole argument to these truth points. And so he spent the first three chapters or first movement of the letter to the Ephesians laying out this doctrinal idea of who we are in Jesus or as I've been calling it our life in Christ who we are as followers and he's he's gone through and brilliantly connected us to the call of God the Father, to the redemption provided by God the Son, to the to the, to the to the being sealed and equipped and empowered by God the Holy Spirit. And he showed us all of these great and wonderful spiritual benefits that are ours because of who we are in Jesus. Because we have been adopted into the family of God by his grace. Through faith in the work of Jesus on the cross in our place and for our sin because we have have responded to the gospel. Now we are a part of his family and all of those spiritual benefits that are ours to be walked in to be to be embraced to be released in our life so that we can accomplish everything he's called us to do and to be. So now that we've laid that groundwork, he's about to make the shift and saying, okay, now that you know who you are in Christ, now that you know what Christ's life is connected to your life, now I want to give you some practical instructions. So from here on out for the rest of our series in Ephesians, this is going to be like real practical stuff. How to put to work What we have been given how to to activate what is ours So it's it's like we've been spending all this time getting really excited about who we are in jesus And what we have and god's like I know in that exciting now. I want you to go put it to work And this is typically where we start going. Oh, I had to do something I thought this was all about what you're gonna do and and it is our our works Disconnected from him are of no worth to our savior. But our works that are connected to him in the in the path that he is leading are actually those good works that have been preordained for us to walk in. So God's like, "Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you now to take steps. I want you to put to work what I have begun in your life." Now, most folks, if you're like me and most of you in a lot of ways are like In a lot of ways, you're not like me. But in some ways, I know you're exactly like me. And here's where I know you're exactly like me. Nobody likes to be told what to do. Nobody likes to be told what to do. We bristle. Why? Because our sin nature is still resident within us. Our tendency to rebel against authority. And I don't want to do what I want to do. And I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. But the great thing about being a follower of Jesus, the great thing about being a child of God is that God's not trying to tell us what to do because he just wants to, to aggravate us or prove that he's in charge. He doesn't have to prove that. He is in charge. When God instructs us on how we're to live, it's actually to our benefit. It actually is is designed to make our life full because the more we walk in what God has called us to do and to say and to be, Then the more we are going to be connected to him in reality in our practical life the more glory our life is going to bring to him and the more fullness we're going to experience see the lie of the enemy is that to experience fullness I got to be able to do what I want to do when I want to do it however I want to do it for however long I want to do it with whomever I want to do it that's how to experience fullness that's a lie of the enemy the fullness comes as we just simply walk in obedience and put to to work those things that God has called us to do and to be, and has equipped us and prepared for us all that we need in order to accomplish it. And what we're going to talk about today is a simple, simple word called unity. Unity. Now, I don't know if you watched the. Uh, I don't know if you watched the ESPN. Uh, 10-part series. I don't know if you're even interested in the 1990s basketball dynasty known as the Chicago Bulls. Uh, Yes, we've got some Chicagoans. Okay, see, those are authentic fans. The rest of us were just bandwagon Jordan fans, okay? But it's okay. So what ESPN Two, ESPN didn't do a masterful job. ESPN, Two did a masterful job because they cut out all those dirty words and all those basketball players. But what they did over the 10 parts is show how this team had had this ultimate NBA success. You know why? Because they were unified around one goal and and they yes arguably had one player on that team who would accept nothing less than laser focus on that one goal and that was nba championship but they were so together even when they were arguing amongst themselves when they would step out onto the court they became laser focused unified and the championship trophies are there to show what it looks like when a group of folks can be unified toward one end. Well, wouldn't that be even more true when the God of the universe says that I've put you together in a body and when you work together, nothing can stop my work in you, not even the gates of hell? Of course it would. So what we're going to talk about today is the idea of unity. And that's what is going to, everything for the rest of the, of the book is going to, or the, the letter the book is going to be based on this idea of unity. Because when unity breaks down, all the rest of it breaks down as well. So let's just get started. Ephesians chapter number one. If you've got the version app, you can pull that up and it's in the live events. You can follow along with the scripture and also with my outline. So here's what he says. Uh, Ephesians chapter four, verse number one. I therefore a prisoner... For the Lord, and this is Paul, this is who's writing, and he's a prisoner because of preaching the gospel and offering it to the Gentiles, and that's got the Jewish people all up in arms, and now he's, he's not really breaking any Roman laws yet. He's just in prison because there are folks within Roman control that want to put him to death, and Rome's just trying to watch out for him and keep him till he can get an audience before Caesar. I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you, There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And that's where we'll stop today. The first six verses, we're calling it unity and you, unity and you. Now, this is a message for Christians. Now, certainly we want non-Christians to perk up their ears and listen so that you might better understand what it means to be a Christian. So many people on the outside of Christianity think... That Christianity is all about rules and regulations, what you can't do and what you should do and what you can't and, and must and all that. It's all about keeping these rules. That's not it at all. It's about a relationship that we have with our creator through faith in God the Son who paid for our sin. And now God's giving us the pathway toward unity. He's given us the pathway toward his glory. He's given us the pathway toward fullness And experiencing all that God has for us, even in this life, as we just simply walk in obedience to what he has laid out for us to do. In these first six verses, I see first the idea of a fitting conduct. Look at the verse. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Yes, Paul is talking now about our lifestyle. Paul is talking about our life choices, our, our 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 way of living, our conduct. That's what he's talking about. But what he's calling it is a fitting conduct. God is calling us to walk or to live in a way that is fitting to who we are. Look what he says here. He says, I urge you. To walk in a manner. This is Paul's strong appeal. I'm begging you. I'm pleading you. This is for your own good. Will you please listen to me? Knowing who you are in Christ. Knowing what you have as a follower of Jesus. Now I'm urging you to live your life in a manner worthy of your calling. I'm begging you to make these choices your own. You see, God's going to prepare the way before you, but he's not going to force you to do things against your will. You see, he's provided for you opportunities to walk in in which he will equip and bless and use you, but you've got to decide. That's what Paul is saying here. I'm begging you, I'm urging you to decide for yourself that you want to conduct yourself in this way, that you want to live your life this way. What way? He says, in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. This idea is being consistent with your calling. It's because you have been called not in order to be worthy of the call so many on the outside and even so many Christians on the inside consistently wrestle with wanting to feel worthy of God's love and acceptance so many Christians have not been taught correctly They've just been taught that that in or maybe indirectly taught that in order for God to be pleased with you Then you've got to live a certain way How do we learn that because so many parents have put those conditions of acceptance on their children? They're happy with them when they're obeying, they're angry with them when they're disobeying and so we begin to understand God in that same way. For God to love me, I've got to be doing good things. For God to accept me, and for me to be worthy of of his affection, then I've got to be pleasing to him and that's exactly false. That's exactly wrong. You see, God is pleased with us, not because of anything we bring to the table, but because He is pleased with the work of God the Son on the cross in our place. So when by faith we trust Jesus, all of a sudden, the way that God is pleased with His own Son is transferred to us. His righteousness is accounted to us by faith through God's grace and so God is pleased with us because he is pleased with his son and he sees us through the lens of God's righteousness through our faith in Jesus so Paul's not saying act like this make these choices so that you'll be worthy of your calling no he's saying because you are called walk in a manner that is consistent with who you are in Jesus. Now, you expect as a parent for your kids to walk in a way or to live in a way that's consistent with the philosophy of your home, correct? I mean, most parents, and and, and you could argue about whose philosophy is better than that. That's not what we're talking about. You decide what your family is going to do, and then moms and dads typically... If they're good moms and dads they hold their kids to a standard not in order to be their child but because they are their child and you don't hold folks outside of the family to those standards you, you might want to you might wish you could and times you might try to when kids come to your house and they don't hold to the same philosophy that you hold and you're like okay we ain't gonna be in hat anymore because they don't know how. so you you want to but you know it's not possible right All right, so you hold your kids to a standard because they're your kids. And those standards, parents, agree with me or disagree? Now, agree with this. It's because of their own good, right? Like, you're not holding them to a standard that's designed to make them miserable, Although if they're in middle school today, they are convinced that's why you're doing what you're doing, that your whole purpose is to make their life miserable and to keep them from all the luscious goodies that are out in the world that you're just big, bad, mean and don't want them to have. But we all know that's not true. The reality is if I'm holding them to a standard because they're my kids and because I want them to flourish and I want them to walk in fullness that's what paul is saying that's what god the holy spirit is saying to you and i look because of who you are in christ i'm 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 telling you this is the way you need to organize your life now he's about to go through some things that are that are representative of fitting conduct this is what a follower of jesus ought to legitimately pursue in their life and these are going to sound simple and you're going to nod your head and go yep we should be doing that but if you're honest and will just let the Holy Spirit kind of pull the, pull the curtain back of your heart. You're going to discover, like I did in studying this passage, that I'm not really good at these things that are going to sound so simple. And neither are you. This is what he's called us to. So you ready? So he's called us to a fitting conduct. And what I'm going to call this fitting conduct, I'm going to borrow it from Chuck Swindoll. Boy, I liked his commentary this week. He was so helpful to me and getting my thoughts together. I'm going to call this the pathway to unity because that's what the big the the big focus is on being unified it's it's involving our conduct and it involves some very simple stepping stones along this pathway so here's what we're called, pathway to unity the first stepping stone he says walk in in a, in a in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called verse number two with all humility simple enough what is humility? Humility is lowliness of mind. It's when we intentionally set ourselves aside for the benefit of others. Uh, One writer said, humility in the life of a Christian is when we, in our decisions, in our choices, in just the way we live our life, we put Christ first, we put others second, and we put ourselves last. Now, is humility active in your life when the chicken plate is put out for supper? See, this is practical. This is, this is living my life because of who I am in Christ. He says, first stepping stone toward, humility, or toward unity is humility. Philippians 2, 3 says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, what does it say? Count others more significant than yourselves. Man, that's hard to do at Walmart. At Walmart, I just want him to get, listen, just choose whatever can of tomatoes you're going to pick because I've got limited time and if could you just get out of my way. And then it's not him, but it's somebody else in the checkout line. You know, hey, look, if you're going to take this much time, please, by all means, let the cashier do the checking out for you. This self-checkout line is for those of us who know how to work the machine at a rate that we're satisfied with. You don't know what you're doing. Could you please just go to... I'm not looking to count others more significant than myself. Why? Because I am selfish. You know what I think? I think it'd be healthy if all of the selfish people in the room were to say that together. So let's just do that. If you resonate with that, let's just say that together. I am selfish. And now, for those of you who just are lying to yourself and didn't say it, I want you now to say it because you are too. Ready? I am selfish. And selfishness leads us in the total opposite direction of humility. But humility is the perfect picture of Jesus. In that same chapter of Philippians chapter 2, the Bible says that Jesus, through humility, stepped out of glory. He stepped out of the position that was His rightfully from eternity past into eternity future. He stepped out of glory. And he emptied himself, whatever in the world that means. I don't have any idea, but he emptied himself of those things that were rightfully his so that he could step into physicality and become a man identified completely with you and with me. For what purpose of his own? Zero. Except he loves us and there was no possible way of forgiveness apart from a perfect sacrifice. He humbled himself if we're going to be unified as a body if we're going to walk in unity then the first stepping stone is humility the second one is uh, very similar with all humility verse 2 and gentleness what is gentleness gentleness is simply the outward manifestation of humility see humility is is most often an internal thing that's going on that that I respond to, and I say, you know what? I'm going to put Christ first. I'm going to put others second. I'm going to leave myself for last. That's a decision of the heart. Gentleness is what comes out when I'm dealing with people in an attitude of humility. It's being. It, it, I'm sorry to say it this way. It's not harsh in my actions. It's not fighting for my own way it's not turning anything and everything into a competition so that i'll bite and scratch and claw to get to the front gentleness is similar to the biblical word meekness it's this idea because i have chosen to embrace humility looking at my savior i've said you know what I'm going to to embrace the attitude of humility. Christ first, I'm going to consider others more important than myself and myself last. And now what I'm going to do is I'm going to let that come out in my words and they're going to be gentle. I'm going to treat people with gentleness. We've been around gentle people and they're contagious. We've been around harsh people. And they're hard to be around we've been around those that have to have their own way no matter who they got to crawl over to get it but paul says look a a conduct fitting the call that you have is to recognize you don't have to be first you can put christ first you can serve others and and, and you can put yourself last because god's going to provide for you. you you don't have to bite and scratch and claw and you can be gentle because who was gentle with those who were steeped in rebellion none other, none other than our humble savior who operated in gentleness is that you today are you a gentle person Because you're a humble person? The third stepping stone. It says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience. Uh Uh-oh. Now we're meddling. Patience is the exercise of humility and gentleness in the face of a disappointing, discouraging, frustrating and aggravating circumstance it's putting humility and gentleness to work when the heat gets turned on now that really is probably a better example for walmart that's really probably a better example for, for all of the frustrations that we've been feeling through the whole pandemic of, of you know, can we, well, can we not just get a haircut for crying out? Loud? You know, so it's those kind of things that we've been feeling and, and, and pent in and just trying to get out. It's when things get hard, patience is what is produced when humility and gentleness stay active even under pressure when we feel the the temperature rise because the circumstances are changing and what do we typically want to revert to handling it the way we are hardwired to handle it i mean we're typically ready to just go to bear on this thing but Patience is that virtue where humility and gentleness stay active even though the circumstances rise. You know what patience does? It allows room for unexpected and undesired change. You know, we don't like change. Well, I I, I say we don't like change. I don't like change. Y'all might be fine with it, but I don't. And what patience does is it allows room for things to change outside of my control. It allows for things to, to be different than I expect they ought to be and continue to trust the God who's called me and trust the God who I'm, I'm counting on knows about this stuff that's changing, knows about these temperatures that are rising, knows about all that's going on. God, are you aware of what's going on in my life? I'm trusting that you know what's happening. And I'm going to give you room to change stuff apart from my permission. I'm going to give you room to change things apart from you letting me know it was coming, God. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to take a breath. I'm going to exercise humility and I'm going to choose gentleness even though what I want to do is let myself go. And all of a sudden we find active in our life patience. But it gets worse. I mean better. (laughs) With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another. This is the hard one. Now, I, won't, I won't break your heart for a minute if I can. And I, I, I'm really sorry I have to do this, okay? I really wish that I didn't have to tell you this. But you annoy somebody. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, you do. And, and here's the thing. I know that I annoy somebody. I probably annoy a lot of y'all in here my ways and my tendencies probably annoy you and and i have the privilege of not knowing that because of the role i serve in y'all are too embarrassed to tell me you know what pastor kevin i love you but you annoy me okay and I, hey you know what i'm happy with that arrangement okay all of us annoy somebody because somebody annoys you and you know that's true and it wouldn't be true for them and not be true for you. Okay, so this bearing with one another, we, we boil this down to the word tolerance. Uh, tolerance. It's the exercise of humility, Christ first, other second, me last, and gentleness, being meek in my dealing with others. It's the exercise of humility and gentleness in the face of difficult and potentially offensive individuals. Now this is where you go, can't do it. It's not in me. And I would say, that's what Paul spent the last three chapters telling us. It's not in me. But you know who it is in? It's in all of those benefits and blessings that are ours to walk in because of our position in Christ. Because of who we are in Him, guess what? It don't have to be in you. It's in Him and we're in Him. And guess what? It's ready for us to walk in if we will. Tolerance. It's bearing with one It's being with someone who is absolutely annoying to you and yet choosing to be gentle and humble with them because that's how jesus would act toward the most annoying person in your life even if that's me even if that's you you say wait a minute, i thought we were talking about unity right we'll never experience unity as a body if we don't first step out and embrace humility not about me it's about them it's about him it's about it's about what I can bring for their benefit And because of that I can't be humble and not be gentle so I'm gonna reign it back I'm gonna allow God to rub off some of those rough and sharp edges of me I'm gonna cease to be hard and you know what here's the I've watched some of y'all over the last little time that I've known you and some of you had more abrasive tendencies in your life and you know what i've seen over the last little while i've seen you become more and more smooth on those and it's awesome to see you know that's what i i I can't take credit for that that's god at work in your life and yeah maybe you haven't memorized the entire book of second chronicles yet that's next month but i'm seeing you change you're becoming less abrasive and more gentle I'm going to be unity if we don't go from gentleness over into patience. Even when things change, we, we embrace that change, even though it's confusing to us, even though we wouldn't have asked for it, but we're going to continue to trust, we're going to continue to embrace. And even when that change brings about that annoying person, or those annoying people, or those folks that just get on my last nerve, what am I going to do? I'm going to tolerate them. I'm going to allow them to be them. Because I want them to allow... I'm just wanting them to be that for me. I hope they're willing to let me be me. So I'm just going to let them be them. I'm going to let God work on their rough edges. And I'm just going to admit that maybe their rough edges aren't quite as rough to my Savior as they are to me. Because maybe it is they're just different than I am. I'm going to embrace tolerance. Planet Fitness... I used to go there back before February. Uh, I hadn't been able to go back since then. I hope to go back one day. But Planet Fitness calls themselves... Somebody tell me, what they call themselves? The what? The judgment-free zone. Tolerance refuses to judge. Now, tolerance doesn't tolerate sin. Paul's not saying that you ought to bear with one another and encourage them in their sin encourage them in their wickedness brother but i love you i know you're living in sin but but we're gonna you know you you my bro and we're gonna ride this thing out in your sin no you know what we do as christians we turn the light on sin and we go hey you know that's not consistent with who you are in christ and we say i know i know you want to live a life worthy of your calling and that ain't it brother Sister, that's sin. That's wrong. You ought not be done. I can't encourage that. I love you, but I can't encourage these choices that you're making. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you room to make mistakes. I'm not going to lop you off, and I'm certainly not going to judge you. I'm not going to sit on a high seat of authority and say what you're going to be and are never going to amount to. I'm not going to hold myself as a judge. I'm going to give you room. I'm going to tolerate the fact that God's still working on you, just like he's still working on me. It allows all of us to learn at different paces and make mistakes along the way. It's exercising humility and gentleness with patience. This tolerance brings grace and mercy to the table. And goes, I'm just going to keep, I'm going to keep walking with you with grace and mercy. Turn the light on sin, but I'm going to tolerate to the best of my ability. Or to the best of his ability in me. And allow God to move you along. From humility to gentleness to patience to tolerance. Bearing one another, verse 2. Bearing with one another in love. What is love? It's unconditionally seeking the good of others with no expectation of return. It's that agape love of the scripture. See, when we talk about, sometimes we talk about love in our, in our culture, it's the, I'll love you if you'll love me. I'll scratch your back if you'll scratch Mine. Become a parent, and then you begin to understand what this unconditional love is. But even we don't fully get it. God loves us without condition. We bring nothing to His table for which to be lovely. Yet He chooses. It's a decision on His part to love. And you know what? It's going to be on our part a decision if we first step on the stone of humility, putting ourselves last before others and and behind Christ, if we then move to that idea of I'm gonna treat one another with gentleness, I'm gonna let that humility be expressed in the way that I deal with my brothers and sisters and those around me, and then out of that gentleness, I'm gonna exercise patience when the temperature turns up, I'm going to count on the fact that those benefits and blessings that God has provided for me will be sufficient for whatever I'm experienced that I didn't plan. And then I'm even going to exercise that humility and gentleness with those that annoy me, offend me, that make me mad when I'm around them. Why? Because they're not mine, they're his. He loves them. I'm going to treat them as such. And when we do, we discover that what's actually happening is we're loving them because that's really what love is the culmination of all those four coming to bear at the same time with no expectation of return you see that's what jesus meant when he said a new commandment i give to you in john 13 34 I'm giving you a new commandment and here's what it is. That you love one another just as I have loved you. That's what he's called. That's the conduct he's called us to. It's not about what I'm wearing. It's not about what I'm listening to. All those those things have its place. What he's calling us to is unity and those are decisions of the heart. Decisions we make As we press out into the world that is around us. And he says in verse 35, by all this, all people will know that you're my disciples when you love one another. And then the last one he says here, verse number three eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. It's a continued commitment. Eager. I'm eager to pursue unity that requires love and tolerance and patience and gentleness and humility i'm eager to keep pursuing it when i'm tired i just say i gotta keep pursuing when i'm aggravated i gotta keep pursuing when i'm discouraged i gotta keep pursuing when i'm frustrated i gotta keep pursuing i can't do it anymore kevin i know you can't that's why he's got all those blessings and benefits there to keep you moving forward when you can't and all you have is spent I'm eager, I'm committed continually to the unity of the body. Now imagine if the opposite of these were true with followers of Jesus. Then we would have prideful, harsh, irritable, judgmental, and selfish people hyper-focused on having their own needs and desires met. Now I want you just to think about your church experience if you've been around it for a while. I want you to think about your experience around other Christians. And I want to ask you, how much time have you spent around humble, gentle, patient, tolerant, loving, and eager folks opposed to how much time you've spent around prideful, harsh, irritable, judgmental, selfish, hyper-focused on their own needs and desires? Would it be fair to say that the church needs an overhaul in the area of unity? See, I think so. Because I think more often than not, I've been prideful, harsh, irritable, judgmental, selfish, hyper-focused on what I want and what I need. But God's called us to a conduct worthy of who we are in Jesus. And he goes on to say that because of who we are in Jesus, when we walk in unity, we have ties that bind us together. These things that are, that are, listen, unity is important because there are things that are holding us together that we can't break away from. And if we are not walking in unity, then we're walking in misery in these areas. And he lists them one right after another. Walk in unity, why? Because there's only one body We're not many divided bodies of Christ. We all make up one and only universal and little c, can I use Catholic? Because that's what that means in the creed. We're all just one universal body. So if you're not going to walk in unity, you're going to live in misery as a Christian because we got one body. And that's the only one. It ain't a bunch of little ones. It's all one big one. There's only one spirit. We got to walk in unity because there's only one common denominator between us. Are you happy parent when your kids are fussing with one another? No, you're not. Is the spirit pleased when those that he is dwelling with simultaneously are against one another, no, he's not. There's one spirit, our common denominator. He's the same indwelling, life-giving spirit that comes to all of us when by faith we trust Jesus. So let's don't, let's don't uh, cause him misery by living at odds with one another because there's only one spirit he's our common denominator hey guess what there's only one hope there's only one destiny and we're all striving for that same destiny as we rate the return of jesus if we're not walking in unity then we're certainly not pulling the plow in the same direction and what is that it's eternity without sin without death without pain in god's presence forever and ever and it's about telling as many folks as we can about salvation that's made possible through jesus death and resurrection if you're not walking in unity you're living in misery pursuing this one hope that's the only one we got there's also only one lord there's one master one body one spirit just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call verse five one lord jesus alone is lord not a preacher not a teacher not a president not a political figure not a king not anybody else but jesus is master and if you're not walking in unity because you're following after the the leadership of of others, most specifically your own self, then you're living in ministry under one Lord, and you're not submitting to Him, because what has He called us to? Unity. There's also only one faith that binds us together, those essential doctrines of the Christian faith, of the gospel. It's what Jude says in the third verse of his little letter, It says, Beloved, I was eager to write to you about common salvation. I find it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. This comes in real handy when we think about the uh, other denominations of which we might find ourselves in disagreement with on certain truths. Paul's like, look, y'all got to let some of those things that aren't essential just be things you don't agree about because there's only one faith and it's based on salvation by grace through faith in Jesus. Not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Because of him crucified and risen, we have got to come together. We might disagree. We might not walk in the same philosophy of of things, but we've got to be united because if we're not, what are we? We're miserable. We're segregated. We got our clan over here and everybody else over there. One faith, one baptism. That outward declaration of our identity with Christ, regardless of how much water is used. There's only one. And it's ours together. And lastly, verse 6, One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. By His grace, through the blood of Christ and the regeneration of the Spirit. There's only one that we worship. So if we're walking in disunity together, then we are not capable of worshiping the one who has called us to be united. Do you want to be united this morning? I do. Well, what's it going to take? Humility, gentleness, patience, patience, tolerance love with an eagerness to stay united so what we're going to call this is your chance to apply it your chance to if i can use the word walk it out how are you going to walk out unity and you well first i think it's self-evaluation time for you and for me how would others describe you? Just self, because it'd be real easy for us to think. Boy, I sure do hope so and so's listening to this. Boy, boy, man, I can't believe. It. I hope they're watching live. No, this is self evaluation time, and be honest with yourself. Would others describe you as humble, gentle, patient, tolerant, and loving? Is that how other folks would describe you? You say, well, I don't know. I think you probably do. You say, maybe flashes from time to time, maybe in a, maybe in a role that I've got to fulfill, maybe when I've got my, my, my I'm, the, I'm this person in your life right now, so I'm going to put that hat on, I'm going to smile and I'm going to be gentle, but when I get to take that hat off, the real me comes out. Would folks describe you? As humble, gentle, patient, tolerant, loving, unifying. You see, here's, here's where I think all of us will honestly have to say, yeah, not so often. Maybe occasionally. Maybe if they really don't know me that well, they might. But the more they know me, the more they discover I'm a lot more prideful and harsh and irritable. I don't want to be that. Judgmental, man. Yeah. Selfish probably so i think this would be the time where we would go as followers of jesus lord i know you want us to be unified i know when you look at the body you want us to you want to see us together you want to see us and i've used the illustration before just locked arms you know right up in there with one another and i know that's not going to be possible if if i'm not pursuing these things you've called me to and I know I don't have these things in my, I, God, I'm just not a very humble person. God, I'm just not very gentle. I'm abrasive. I'm rough. God, you know, you know, I just kind of see things and I say things and I'm not trying to be judgmental, but you know, I mean, they are what, God, I want you to manifest your life, the life of Christ in me through all those things that you said you provided for me. Will you activate that in my life? I, I want to be humble. I want to be Gentle. I want to be patient and tolerant and love. That's what I want. God, I don't think I am. I want to be. Will you make that real in my life? And so I don't think that's just a prayer for today and then for God. I think that's every day. Okay, Lord, it's me again. Probably not going to be very humble or patient or gentle or tolerant or loving today. But I know you've called me to that. Will you help me do that? Will you help me be that in reality? What about unity evaluation time? So that's self-evaluation. What about your unity with others? And let's just do it right here. Just right here in this body. Or the body that you typically run with of followers of Jesus around you. Are you in unity with them right now? Or are you at odds with them right now? Can I ask you this? Why are you at odds? Why is the unity broken? What caused you to step out of gentleness into harsh? What what, what was it that made, was it a circumstance? Was it a situation? Was it something that needed to, who is it? Maybe it's one, maybe it's half a dozen. Maybe they're not a part of this body, but they are a believer. And you've been at odds with them for a long time. You know what God's called us to? unity and everything else in this this little letter is going to build on unity so I would encourage you take note and then I want to ask you to take action with those that you are not unified with I want to ask you to consider confessing your sin because you brought something to the table maybe it wasn't all your fault maybe it wasn't all that you did but you certainly brought you to the disunity that you're in confess that as sin god this is not what you want and i know i brought some of this to the table and it's sin and i want your forgiveness and then i want to ask you to go and address with others what you need to fix maybe you're not unified because of what you brought to the table because of what you said, because of what you did, because of what you commented, because of what you texted, whatever it was that has broken the fellowship, I want to ask you, will you make that right? And I want to ask you, pray for the one that needs to fix it with you. Because you can only do what you can do. What they need to do, pray about it. But don't just leave it at prayer then be intentional about focusing in on them with humility and gentleness and patience and tolerance and love and eagerness to unify. Let it be a test case, if you will. Already primed to put you to the test, to put God's resources to the test. They're disunified with me. They're broken in their festival. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for them. God, I'm going to ask them. God, bring them to a place where they want to fix what's broken. But until then, and they might not ever until then, I'm going to step toward humility. I'm going to step toward gentleness. I'm going to step toward tolerance and patience and love with them on purpose. Because when I do, who do I look like? Jesus. And who have I been called by? Jesus. And who have I been equipped by? Jesus, to do everything he's called me to do and to be. For his glory. In order to be worthy? oh! No. In order to be consistent with who I am in Jesus. Because I'm God's child. Amen? So just swallow hard, because it's a big pill. But trust that God can activate it if we will. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much for the day. I thank you for your word. It's a hard word. It's it's easy words to define. Very hard for us to live out because we are selfish, prideful, harsh, irritable, judgmental. God, I pray that you will help us to see unity as as important as it is to you god i pray that you will help us to want unity in this body so that so that nothing can stand against what you want to do here may we be intentionally unified together maybe we willing to take those steps toward unity god so that we might embrace that One Lord, one faith. That one hope that we might be one together. God, I pray for that one who may be outside of the family and doesn't even belong to you yet. God, I pray that you would help them to see their sin, their need. I pray that they would be able to clearly see that Forgiveness, redemption, salvation, the the right relationship with you that that they truly want but might not fully understand, may they see that that is possible only by faith and only by faith in Jesus, crucified in their place, raised to life for their justification. God, may they desire to know you by faith and just call on you to save them. God, may that be their reality today so that they can too be a part of us, so that they can too be a part of the pursuit of unity. God, help us today. I know there are folks that are still sick. I think about Jim, still in the hospital, wants to come home. That's not possible. And so Father, I pray that you will give him the grace that he needs. I pray that you will give him patience that he needs to trust you even through difficulty god we ask that you would restore him and bring him home to his family i we pray continually for brian as he struggles with those shingles i pray that you would remove that from him that you would bring him to the other side of that god we want to lift our sister kim who i know is hurting right now i pray god that you would touch her body that you would give her doctor's wisdom to know exactly what is needed so that she can be relieved of the back pain that she's suffering right now. And I pray in Jesus' name that you would bring that about according to your purpose and your plan. God, thank you for allowing Linda to be here. It's so good to see her, and we thank you for what you've been doing in her life. God, I just ask that you would help all of those that are in need, the Micholeys as they continue to grieve and, and so many others. Lord, we just look forward to what you're going to do. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to be together as a body. Help us to want to be unified. Help us to take the steps that are necessary. May that be the desire of our heart today and every day forward, because we love you, because we trust you, because we want to represent Jesus well. For it's in his name that we pray. And everybody said, Praise Amen. You his mercy is more Stronger than darkness New and more Sins they are many His mercy is more Our sins they are many His mercy